When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, October 17th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the Mississippi Senate Minority Leader shares his thoughts on rural hospitals and marijuana conviction reform. Then, a coalition of conservationists are calling for federal protection of the Mississippi River. Plus, safety tips during severe weather preparedness week. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The legislative session is less than three months away, and leadership in both chambers are beginning to consider policy priorities. January marks the beginning of what will be the final session of this term. And for Senate Minority Leader Derek Simmons, another opportunity to address disparities in health care and criminal justice. The Democrat from Greenville talked to MPB's Lacey Alexander about unceasing financial pressures on rural hospitals and other reforms he'd like to see prioritized next legislative session. Part one of their conversation starts with accessing how canceled hospital services are impacting places like the Mississippi Delta. It means that where we already had constrained access to health care, it would even be more limited in rural parts of the state. Um, healthcare is economic development, but also more importantly, is access to those parts of the state that are not in those big areas. And so it's very important that we maintain uh, healthcare in rural parts of our state because it's desperately needed. You were part of the attempt to expand Medicaid in the state in 2013. Do you think the state's current Medicaid system is contributing to or worsening the problem of health care in rural areas? It's certainly the fact that uh, Mississippi's single most failure is failing to expand Medicaid uh, when other states around the country were in fact doing so. So Mississippians shared in the cost of other states to expand, but we are not receiving any benefits. In fact, we are receiving the ultimate cost with services being closed in many of our rural hospitals. And unfortunately, as you mentioned, some of our rural hospitals have closed and will continue to close. But for uh, because we have failed to do the right thing by Mississippians by expanding Medicaid. 
hypothetically, if a citizen came to you with concerns that their closest medical center or unit has closed, what would your advice be to that citizen? Call your governor, call your lieutenant governor, call the Speaker of the House, and tell them how important it is that we expand Medicaid. Call your representative, call your senator, and tell them that you need their support on any measure that will expand access to health care. And if they fail to do that for you and your community, then you should respond appropriately at the ballot box. Thank you. Switching gears now, President Biden pardoned certain marijuana charges that were issued at the federal level. What does this mean for Mississippians, and do you see this influencing our lawmakers to maybe do the same for the state? We had a measure uh, before the legislative uh, body to create a medical marijuana program, as you know, in this state. And I propose on the Senate side, and similar proposals were made on the House side, to include expungements uh, to help people to be restored to the condition he or she had prior to the mistake that, that, that was made. And in this context where we see marijuana being legalized medically and also recreationally across the country, I am so happy that Mississippi made the right step to expand or to create a medical marijuana program. But with that, um, I think expungements and clearing people records for the amount of marijuana that is now legal, um, um, we should strongly consider that. We should move in that direction uh, at the state level. Yes, I do believe we need to do that. Do you find, do you have any data that suggests that incarceration for minor marijuana offenses is a big problem here as it is nationally? Well, certainly uh, it's disproportionately. The uh, marijuana prosecutions as well as marijuana convictions uh, have disproportionately affected more uh, um, depressed parts of, of, of our communities uh, and more, quite frankly, uh, people of color. And um, it's just a systemic issue that we know the data supports it that we've seen nationally and also it's no different in the state of Mississippi. But it's just the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do to uh, try to repair something that we have recognized uh that, that, that is wrong. And so I believe that we need to certainly look at uh, reversing uh, those uh, convictions or, or through expungements, but then also to the extent people are serving substantial time for minor drug offenses, we should look at avenues on uh, parole eligibility, uh, expanding that, and also working with the parole board to make sure that these individuals are, in fact, released and are good returning citizens into our into our society. If you would just pitch to us, why is it a good idea to let these charges go? What can relieving these charges do for someone's life? Creating another taxpayer in the state of Mississippi. Creating another productive citizen in the state of Mississippi. Adding to our general fund, allowing us on an annual basis to have more money in our treasury to make decisions regarding vital functions of government. So it's a win-win for the state of Mississippi. You have a returning uh, neighbor back to your community who has a restart on life, who could support 
state of Mississippi and all of the important vital functions of government that we know that we make decisions on every year. On these two topics today, marijuana charges and medical centers closing, do you or any of your fellow lawmakers have any plans or bills in the works that target either of these two issues? In fact, yeah, I have legislation uh, that I've uh, sponsored uh, uh, since I've been there. Uh, Since uh, the Affordable Care Act has been the law of the land, I've actually have uh, sponsored legislation annually to expand Medicaid. Uh, I will be reintroducing that legislation and uh, several of Democrat, my Democratic colleagues have also sponsored similar bills, and I look forward to that being done in the 2023 regular session. Um, um, and we will continue to do that. And also, since we have uh, passed medical marijuana, the legislation that I sponsored that failed during the uh, uh, consideration of the medical marijuana bill, uh, I will also sponsor that legislation again, reintroduce that legislation, and look forward to getting favorable consideration in the legislature and getting that to the governor for his signature. That's Senate Minority Leader Derek Simmons with our Lacey Alexander in part two of their conversation. It's bigger than the misuse. The misuse, we've seen that play out in the media, right? Are we doing the right thing regarding those federal dollars? Are, are, are those dollars getting to those Mississippians who need it most? That's tomorrow. Coming up, a coalition of conservationists are calling for the federal protection of the Mississippi River. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Protected areas along the Mississippi River are piecemeal. There isn't a federal effort to protect the waterway in its entirety from Minnesota all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. The lack of federal protection has placed the Mississippi on the country's most endangered rivers list. But activists like Mark Rivers Peoples are hoping to change that. Peoples is a member of the Mississippi River Network, a coalition of organizations that want Congress to pass the Mississippi River Restoration Initiative Act. He tells our Rhonda Dunaway the issues plaguing the river are many and begins with one particular challenge from the upper Mississippi. Farm runoff, from uh, mostly from uh, you know states like Iowa, Indiana, and Illinois, who uh, have a lot of agriculture going on. We seem to see... A lot of the pollution come down here, the lower Mississippi River, and head out to the Gulf of Mexico. And it's creating a, a dead zone in the uh, Gulf of Mexico because of all the pollutants that are making it there. So with environmental, with, uh, with the climate crisis and with uh, the pollution, it's all working together. And we're a little bit scared about the health of the Mississippi River. So it's very important. We have a new, a new uh, the Mississippi River Restoration and Resilience Initiative. It's called MARI. And we're trying to get that uh, passed by Congress. And that's a local funding initiative to try to help uh, the, the watershed of the Mississippi River 
and it wants to have all the communities along the line because we have noticed there's a lack of uh, environmental equity when it comes to where they put certain towns along the river and what communities are affected. This uh, management plan, does this compel local um, officials, uh, like you say, in uh, cities, towns, um, municipalities, to engage with, say, the Army Corps of Engineers, or who are they? Who are who would local uh, governments engage with to create mitigation? Yeah, we are the Corps of Engineers are in charge of the navigation of the Mississippi River, which brings like you know five hundred billion dollars into our economy. But we are trying to get Mary passed through the government, and and we get government funding to local. Government, so we basically want to get the funding for the government, but we want to use them for local entities, and that has to bring all the local, uh, you know, legislators together and define the challenges they have in their community, so we can put the money forward to help make the river more healthy. What are the main obstacles in uh, getting uh, legislation moved through that will uh, create a better water management plan or uh, Mississippi River Basin plan? Well, what we're trying to do, this uh, this Mary initiative that we're uh, putting forth through Congress, we are trying to emulate, you know, for instance, the, uh, the organization that protected the Great Lakes in places like Chesapeake Bay. So basically, we want the river put on the, put on the status where it's protected. It has a plan in place. So whenever we have issues that we deal in the river, we'll have the funding locally, locally in order to take care of the problems. Uh, one of our biggest problems is the lack of uh, habitat. We lost a lot of our wetlands, so we don't have the capacity to absorb the flooding that we we're used to. You know, with the, the navigation being number one on the list, to make sure the barges can continue to run, which is great. But it also affects the different communities when they flood. They never know where the water's going to go. And if we have these natural habitats back in place, we won't have to worry about that as much. What organizations um, federally are, are you guys working with? Well, we're working with mostly our all organizations we're working with are along the river. We get, you know, uh, places like one Mississippi. We get funding from, you know, Wal- Walden Family Foundation and also up north, the McKnight Foundation. I think those are our biggest donors. But I think what it comes down to is legislations and, you know, realignment of, uh, of policies. Um you know, basically, we want the Mississippi River to be protected by the government, just like a national park, you know. And that's the reason we're trying to get the attention to it, because we think, you know, it's one of our biggest resources for our country. It brings in trillions of dollars in business, and it's also, you know, a place where it holds 800 different species and uh, 350 species of bird used as a flyway every year. Right now, we're experiencing the monarch butterflies flying back down to Mexico. It's just so important to everything. We just don't understand why we can't be protected like places like Chesapeake Bay and the Great Lakes. What is in the next steps for you as, um, you know, as far as this uh, effort goes? Well, just the number one thing is with, you know, we're getting ready to get a turnover in legislators, so we have to get this on the forefront. We have to have both parties involved. Both parties should care about the Mississippi River. We don't want to make this, you know, you know, one way or the other. But this is a, a natural resource in our country that, you know, serves 20 million people with water daily. You know, this has to be protected, and that's the most important thing. We're trying to make this a people thing and not a political thing, you know.
So are you are you working with uh, any particular legislators or uh, lawmaking bodies right now? Yes, we have uh, we have uh, you know trips to Washington. We have our big uh, our big organizations are negotiating with Washington right now. But I think it's uh, you know it's kind of hovering on. It's depending on what the next uh, administration is going to be about it. Okay, before I let you go, is there anything you want to say about the Mississippi River and being on the endangered list? Yes, the Mississippi River is the most important. It drains 44% of our country. It is the lifeblood of our country, and it's the most important water source that we have in this country. And I think it needs to be protected for generations to come. Mark Rivers Peoples is a Mississippi resident and member of the Mississippi River Network. Coming up, safety tips during severe weather preparedness week. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Severe weather is commonplace in Mississippi, so much so that you can turn your calendars according to the season of severe weather threats, tornadoes in the spring, hurricanes in the summer. And today marks the first day of severe weather preparedness week for the fall. Much like April, much like March and May, the autumn months, present conditions that can cause strong storms, heavy rains, and tornadoes. Mallory White of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency shares more on how residents can stay weather aware this season. We just dedicate this week to bring more uh, awareness tips to folks and just let them know, like, going into the fall, you know, and, and winter months, we are not immune to severe weather, and I think most people in Mississippi know. I mean, we know about these Christmas tornadoes that have popped up um, over the years, and we you know, recently had a tornado warning. So we, in Mississippi, we go from spring severe weather to hurricane season to fall severe weather. And so we don't really get a break, but we just want people to know, again, you need to be prepared. I'm looking at the declaration the proclamation, rather. It says the state of Mississippi already has experienced 98 confirmed tornadoes in 2022. Yes, so far this year. So we've already seen, you know, that's amazing. Tornadic activity just this year. And then, but last year we only experienced 76 for the whole entire year. But that's still a lot, don't you think? Oh, yes. I mean, just imagine just one tornado, the amount of devastation that it can, you know, bring to a community, much less dozens upon dozens of them. So we've been talking about severe storms in terms of tornadoes, but we're still in hurricane season, right? Yes, we are. And hurricane season doesn't officially end until November 30th, but we have seen activity in December before from the tropics, from the tropics. What are you going to focus on? What do you want people to focus on in terms of being prepared? 
So next week, we are, the first day we are touching on warning reception methods and how exactly are you getting the message that there is severe weather? Are you using an app? Are you using, you know, going through your local meteorologist, your radio stations, those types of things? We want to bring awareness as to all of these warning reception methods that are there, most of them at the touch of your fingertips. And um, while we do have outdoor sirens, those are meant to be used for people and alert people who are actually outside. So if you're inside of your home and you hear that siren, that's great, but that's not what the use of those outdoor sirens are for. Those outdoor sirens are to alert people who are actually outside, letting them know to go indoors. Um, on Wednesday, October 19th, we have a statewide tornado drill. It'll occur at 9.15, so you may not necessarily hear anything, but we are encouraging schools, and we'll do it here at MEMA for folks to go and practice, you know, where is your safe spot in your workplace, in your school, um, and practice that tornado drill. And then October 20th, on Thursday, we will um, we have a great video with our executive director and the director of the Mississippi Department of Transportation, Brad White. They did a joint video together regarding flash flooding. Um, flash flooding, I mean, can potentially be deadly. And with roads being blown out, washed away because of the significant amount of rain, and we urge people to use caution whenever we do have a flash flooding event and you're driving on these roads and you can't see them, you don't know what's under them, if anything at all. They could have been washed away. So we want to bring awareness to that. Question on Another that. Thing, How can people okay. see it? That video will go on our social media. So it'll go on our Facebook and Twitter pages. And of course, um, we'll have it on YouTube. And we now have an Instagram as well. And so we'll post it there too. Oh, great. Okay. And then Friday, you've got snow and ice. Yes, snow and ice. And I know people are thinking, we are in the middle of October and hurricane season. Why do we need to worry about snow and ice? And I think back of February 2021, and um, half of us got iced into our homes around that time. And technically, that is that is winter weather. And so we need to, even in February, and so we need to go ahead and get prepared for that. Are you prepared for prolonged power outages that come with, you know, snow and ice that can weigh down the power lines? Are you prepared to be iced into your home for that amount of time? It's just those types of things that we want people to keep in mind. And then Saturday, it's a bonus day that we um, are encouraging people to remember, and it's mobile home safety. And every home can be susceptible to some type of damage, but some homes are more vulnerable than others, and those are mobile homes. And we do encourage people that if you do live in a mobile home and there is severe weather, you know, severe thunderstorm or, you know, tornado watch, definitely get out and go seek um, additional shelter somewhere else. Go find a safer, sturdier place for you um, to wait out that storm or that warning. What are some quick tips you can share with us that will help people? We, we need reminders. Yes, we do. And so what I want people to keep in mind is get a kit, food and water. Remember that. You need food and water for every member of your family, including your pets. Check your insurance policies. What's your deductible? Do you understand your insurance policy? 
um, go ahead and take before pictures of your house. What does it look like right now? And we want the walls, we want the ceiling, we want the roof. That's what we're looking for is the actual integrity of the structure. Show us pictures of that and go ahead and document that. You can do that right now and keep those pictures with you. And then after a storm, you go in and take the after pictures too and you use that for insurance purposes. And then also, Keep a kit in your car, especially for your winter weather, especially whenever it gets, you know, ice on the roads, you may end up sliding off of the road and need help. Well, if this is happening a lot, especially around the metro area uh, and your first responders are out helping a lot of people, you could be on the side of the road for quite some time. So it's always nice to have an extra kit of food, blankets in your vehicle as well. And so these are all just reminders. We're not trying to scare anybody. We are not trying to, um, you know, over-exaggerate something that it may not happen. We may not have a, a severe weather season this fall, this year, but next year we could. And so we always just want people to be as prepared as possible and just be aware. Um, it, it's very important for people to understand, you know, where you're getting your alerts from, who are your trusted sources, the news, your local meteorologists, your National Weather Service offices. So while MEMA may share the weather and things that are happening, we are not the meteorologists. We are the ones that are just telling you to prepare for it. And we work very closely with those educated meteorologists to help amplify their message. This week is Severe Weather Preparedness Week. Mallory White is with Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.